morning, everyone. I just uh, have such a excitement in my heart for this morning. Um, a lot of the prophetic words and ministry that came through at our prayer time beforehand was an exhortation just to be open-handed with what the Lord might want to do. And I want to say, as much as I love those words, it's easy saying it's what's one thing actually having to do it. So I'm going to ask for grace from you guys, um, just as we navigate these next kind of 30, 35 minutes. Um, I have prepared um, a, a sermon of notes and points, um, but I f- uh, suspect that we may not get to them all. And um, so I just ask for, for us to partner together this morning. Um, and this, I really want to say, just this is how um, preaching, no matter who's preaching or no matter what topic we're preaching on, that's how preaching should always be. It should always be prophetic. It should always be trusting to hear God in the moment and uh, trusting for God to, to bring his heart and, and, a, and, a, and a participation between the person speaking. And, and so I, I want to invite you this morning as we, as we kind of navigate, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with my notes for now and then see what God does in the, in, in the moment. And uh, um, just to encourage you guys, as this is my first opportunity to preach this year, I, I do want to take some time to to kind of look back a little bit as to what God was saying towards the back end of last year, but at the same time to, to kind of bring our eyes towards the future. Uh, although in our minds, 2015 is done, we've closed the chapter on 2015, God doesn't operate like that. When, when the clock strikes 12 on the 31st of December, God doesn't say, all right, finished with everything, now we're starting afresh. No, he's, he's building on to the things that he's already started in our hearts. So, so I want to invite you guys this morning to, to do two things with me. Number one, I want to invite you to, to listen as, uh, for those of you who are part of this church, to listen from the perspective of what it means to be part of church in the city. What are some of the things God is saying? What are some of the things that God is stirring in our hearts corporately? If you're visiting today, then this morning's sermon will hopefully give you a sense of what's important to us. But then secondly, I want to say to everyone here, listen for yourself too. Because I really feel like God, even if, even if we don't stop and say, Carl, we've got a prophetic word for you, or Marie, we've got a prophetic word for you, I feel like God is going to be ministering prophetically as we go through the sermon. So I want to invite you to to keep your hearts open, to, to listen to what God would say in the moment and, and encourage you that, that you are a saint. You have access into God's presence. You can respond. You can receive right where you are seated in the moment as God stirs your heart. So can I encourage us to do that together this morning? So Lord, we, we know, I know we've prayed and we've worshiped, but Lord, I, I just want to bring these next 30 minutes before you, Lord God, and and pray, Father, for, for your prophetic heart to, to come through, Lord God, for, for you to speak and for you to minister and for you to have your way today, Lord God, for, you to, for your word to come through loud and clear this morning. I, I pray for that in Jesus' name. Amen. When, uh, when someone who operates very powerfully in the prophetic uh, stands up before a, a group of people like this, and begins to minister prophetically and begins to, to indicate that they're going to start calling out names, it's often, uh, it's often received with great excitement and, and intrigue and anticipation. You know, we, 
We start to think, well, maybe I do, maybe you don't, but I certainly do. You know, is it going to be me? Is it going to be my turn? You know, and, and then maybe you regret wearing the gray shirt, and you should have worn the red shirt like Nancy did, so that uh, I can be the one to receive. No, I'm just kidding, Nancy. But uh, uh, there's an intrigue, there's an excitement, there's an anticipation for, for God to say something. What, what is God, who's God going to speak to? What is God going to say? And, and that's good and right. I am I'm a, I'm a massive fan of the prophetic. I think when the prophetic is, is stewarded well and biblically, I think it's such a blessing to the, to the people receiving prophetic ministry, and I think it's greatly honoring to Jesus, because it's a beautiful picture of how the body should be working and, and, and ministering to one another. That's why Paul says in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, he says, he says uh, 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 follow the way of love, but eagerly desire the spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. So this is something that we should be stirring our hearts for and, 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 and longing for, speaking uh, and encouraging one another with, with prophetic words and, and with, with God's heart. But I, I want to say it's important, as, as much of a regard and a passion that we might have for the prophetic, I want to say it's really important for us not to uh, make the mistake of assuming that the prophetic is the gold medal or the, or the jackpot of how to hear God's voice. God speaks all the time in, in various ways. And, and, and we, need to be, we need to be those that are learning how to hear God's voice and learning how to, how to hear and respond to what, what God is actually saying. There are times when we read our word. And, and God can speak to us. There are times when, when we can, uh, 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 in the preaching of the word, God is, be- is beginning to minister and speak. There are times when through worship or, or, or through dreams that God is beginning to say things. And, and we, we shouldn't be uh, uh, surprised by our ability as the people of God to hear his voice. This is something that we should become familiar with in a, in a good way. When I use the word familiar, I mean that in a, in a good sense. Hearing God is the privilege of every single saint, every single follower of Jesus Christ. The Bible says we are a chosen people. We are a royal priesthood. We are a, we are a prophetic people. That's what the Bible says. And it's not prophetic in the sense of just operating in the gift of prophecy, but it's a prophetic lifestyle. We are called to a prophetic lifestyle. That means that we are, are constantly hearing and discerning God's preferred future for us. We are constantly reflecting on that preferred future and asking God, how are we to respond to what he's saying that he, that he wants to do with us? And then thirdly, we are trusting to walk into the, the fulfillment of those particular promises. Friends, I, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be one who lives with, with many prophetic words and little fruitfulness. I want to be a person who, who hears the prophetic that God is saying, but then steps into, in God's timing, can I just emphasize, in God's timing, steps into the fruitfulness of what God has actually called us to. It's so important. I, 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 I can't overestimate, or overstate the importance of us, of being a people that are not just holding on to the prophetic, but trusting for fruitfulness as well. Sorry, guys, my iPad is blowing up on me, and I'm beginning to panic because my notes are not here, and maybe the Lord is trying to say something. (laughs) Maybe the Lord is trying to say something. So right now, inside, I'm having a meltdown. I'm just going to be honest. I'm going to be totally frank. 
I'm having a meltdown inside, and I'm trying to look all gathered on the outside, but it's not working, so. (laughs) Curing the prophetic is just part of the equation. We minister so beautifully and freely in this church in the prophetic. But the sense I'm having for, for this year is not that we just receive the prophetic, but that we, it's fine, you can leave it there, it's fine. No, 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 give, give it back. It's a security blanket, it's fine. I'll, I'll, it's, I'll hang on to it. I'm good, I'm good. It's my blankie, I need it, I need it. I haven't matured from not being close to my iPad yet. I'm getting there, but I haven't got there yet. It's so important, the sense that I'm feeling for this year, it's so important that, we, that we're not a people who, who just love to minister in the prophetic without seeing the fruitfulness of what God is saying. And, and, and if there is a key phrase or a key word that I feel that what God wants to say over church in the city this year, for me it's this. It's we need to learn how to, how to, how to partner with God so that we can prepare for fruitfulness. We need to learn how to partner with God so that we can prepare for, 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 for promises fulfilled or for answered prayer. I really trust that this is going to be that year. There are so many things that we can do when we receive a prophetic word. One of the things we can do is to say, you know, great, God's spoken, and we do nothing with it. We just kind of put it aside and say, well, if God wants me to, to, to see that artwork, then, then it's, going to, it's going to happen. Well, that's not the way that God speaks in his word. First Thessalonians 5 says, do not treat prophecies with contempt. And friends, there are a myriad of people sitting in this room right now, I sense it, that, that God has spoken prophetically, maybe not just recently, but, but, but in, in years gone past, and, and I feel like you've done nothing with those prophetic words. And this is not a rebuke, but an exhortation to, to, to partner with God to trust for those prophecies. Uh, uh, those promises to be fulfilled. The other alternative to not doing anything is that we try to make something happen in our flesh. We say, well, well, you know, if God has promised it, then I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to bust down that door. I'm going to charge through and I'm going to make it happen. And I want to say, friends, that's just as dangerous as the first one. We know the story. Most of us know the story of, of, of Abraham. Promised a son. His wife was beyond childbearing years. So what did he do? He took the initiative and did something in his own strength to try and f- f- fulfill the promise. Flesh gives birth to flesh, even if flesh is well-intentioned. It still gives birth to flesh. But what the Bible teaches is that we learn to partner with God. What the Bible teaches is that we learn to press in with Him and, and, and ask Him, God, what is my partnership with you? What is, how can I prepare to partner with you so that what you've promised can come to pass in your time? I'll give you a little example for, for, uh, for, you know, just, just from my own uh, life in the, in the past few weeks. 2015, in all honesty, was probably the most difficult year I've ever had. Uh, personally, in, uh, internally, as externally, things were fine, but internally, just struggling with discouragement and struggling with, 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 with God's plan and purpose and, and really feeling like my insecurities were, were kind of overwhelming me at times and really struggling with, with a battle in my head and a battle in my heart. Coupled with that, our eldest daughter went to college, as most of you know, 
And looking back, it was a profoundly difficult experience. And so we came to the end of 2015, and I, to be honest, was glad to see the clock strike 12 on December 31st. And this past week, I've been pressing in with God and saying, God, what is your plan for for me for this year? And I felt him say over me a, a wonderful promise in Psalm 122, and praise the Lord, my notes have opened up again. And it says, perfect timing, it's as if the Lord answered a prayer. But Psalm 122, this is the promise I felt God give me. He said, may there be peace within your walls. May there be peace within your walls. And I felt God say to me that this is going to be a year of peace. This is going to be a year of rest. This is going to be a year of promises fulfilled. And so I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, what is my partnership with that? What, what, what is it that you want me to do to see peace coming to, to, to me and to my family and to this church and to, and to our city and to the nation? And I carried on reading Psalm 122. And then this, it said this, I will say, peace be with you. And this is what I felt God say to me as an example of how we are to partner with him with, with the prophetic. I felt him say to me, proclaim my peace over the situations that you're dealing with. And so that's what I've been doing. Every morning I've been saying, Lord, I proclaim your peace over my marriage. I proclaim your peace over my family, over my children, over my daughter in Boston. I proclaim your peace over our finances. And I'm trusting that as I partner with God in his perfect timing, we are gonna see the promises fulfilled. Let's be honest, guys. I think think the biggest struggle that we all face when it comes to the prophetic is, is the time it takes from when God speaks to when we see the fulfillment of the promise. And during that time, there can be so many insecurities and challenges that we face. We, can, we, we often face our own insecurities, don't we? Our own weakness. When we, when we feel like God is speaking incredible things over us, and we, we, we look at ourselves and we say, God, how can you say that? I know me. I know my insecurities. I know my shortcomings and failures. Our own weakness can trip us up. Sometimes it's direct opposition from the devil. I prayed with somebody yesterday at the Groundbreakers training. I'm not going to mention their name, but, but I felt like God had spoken to them or spoken to her. Prophetic promises and the devil had tried to miscarry those promises. And I feel like there actually might be some of you who that applies to. Courtney spoke about God wanting to restore, restore his promises. I feel like there are some sitting in this room who feel like maybe you've miscarried or, or, or through your own struggle or, or maybe sinfulness, you've, you've aborted the plan of God. And I want to say, no. That is a lie from the devil. God wants to restore. God wants you to give birth to the things that he's promised over you. This is a year for fruitfulness. This is a year for answered prayer. This is a year for prophetic promises fulfilled. Opposition, weakness, and sometimes the biggest challenge, delay. Not Lee and Jean, but (laughs) delay that comes from God. God sometimes seems to push the pause button, doesn't he? And those are challenging times when we have to, with faith and patience, wait in order to inherit the promise. At the end of last year, some of you may may have been here, but at our Thanksgiving Sunday, uh, a friend from South Africa was visiting, and he came and brought a prophetic word from 1 Kings chapter 18. 
It was the prophetic word about Elijah who had defeated the prophets of Baal. You can read the story. And there was a drought that, that, that was in the, in the land of Israel at the time. And he and his servant went out to the mountaintop and they began to pray for breakthrough. They began to pray for a breakthrough in the drought. And six times Elijah prayed, and six times he sent his servant to go and look to see if anything had changed. And six times the servant came back and said there was nothing. But the seventh time that Elijah prayed and sent his servant, the servant came back and he said, there's a, there's a cloud the size of a man's fist. Think of that. Completely drought-stricken land, and there's a cloud this, this size. And on that promise alone, Elijah changed, changed his posture from asking to getting ready for the rain. It actually says, Elijah says, get ready for the rain is coming. And just keeping with our weather theme, Derek uh, at, at our prayer meeting, last prayer meeting of the year, last year, proclaimed what, what he felt the Lord was giving, giving him. And I think it, it is a word from the Lord. He said this, prepare because the overhead conditions are perfect for breakthrough. That's a word for church in the city for this year. That's a word for you. That's a promise that I believe God wants to, to, to release over us this morning. Get ready. The overhead conditions are perfect for a breakthrough. We've been asking God as an eldership team that very thing. How can we partner with God to prepare for what he wants to do through church in the city? And so you might be asking, well, prepare for what? And and the, the only way that I can try and summarize or say uh, um, what we sense God is wanting to do is to use some very kind of common words that normally are used at the time, at a sermon at the beginning of the year. It's words like increase. It's words like enlargement. It's words like um, acceleration. It's words like trusting for more of God. Now, I don't want to get on a theological kind of uh, uh, tangent, but when, when I say more of God, I, I know God is fully here and fully manifest, but what we're trusting for, what we're sensing is more of God's manifest presence, more of God's tangible presence, breakthrough in marriages, breakthrough for, for, for healing for the sick, seeing the lost getting saved, God doing radical and amazing things. It's almost like a, a sense in our heart there is, a, there is a, a gear shift that is taking place. Most Americans will not know, do not know how to drive a stick shift. Am, am I right? Uh, if, 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 I sometimes watch The Amazing Race, and it's quite funny to watch the Americans who travel to Europe, and they get thrown in a stick shift car, and the, the absolute mess they make in trying, to, in trying to pull off. In South Africa, you have to learn, to get your driver's license, you have to learn how to drive a stick shift. And in the early days of driving, that gear change from first to second or second to third is an incredibly uh, vulnerable moment. Because what happens, once you get used to it, it happens in a split second without thinking. But what happens is you, you, you pull off on first gear, and first gear can only go so fast. So your engine is revving really high. You take your foot off the, off the gas, you put your foot on the accelerator, you engage the gear, the gear shift or the gear lever, and you move from first to second or second to third. If you, if you miss that exchange, it's, that's when the gears start to grind. It's a very vulnerable moment. But you, could, you have to engage the higher gear in order to accelerate forward. And friends, that's what I feel God is saying to us right in, the, in this season. It's a season of gear shifting. It's a season of gear changing. It might seem incredibly vulnerable, but God is wanting to accelerate us on. 
when I say increase, when I say more, when I say enlargement, please don't think church growth necessarily. Because that's immediately where we all go to. Oh, he's just preaching about church growth. That might be what God wants to do. But we're not interested in church growth. We're interested in kingdom advancement. The Bible never talks about church growth in the way that we do in our modern culture. Church growth advocates will probably go to Acts chapter 1 or Acts chapter 2. God added 3,000 to their number that day, or God was adding daily to their, to their number those who were being saved. Well, I would say in Acts chapter 8, persecution came to the church. The church was scattered. It actually got smaller, but the kingdom of God advanced. As people were sent out to the nations of the world, the kingdom of God was advanced. Friends, the elders at Jerusalem didn't sit together and say, oh my goodness, what would be good for the church? I think a little bit of persecution will really help. Let's plan some persecution so that the church can grow. No, God for for some reason allowed the persecution to come and used it to advance his kingdom and scatter his people to the nations. There's enlargement coming, friends. There's increase and and, and there's a pressing forward. I want to take a moment just to talk a little bit about how we receive prophetic words. Because I think sometimes both corporately, when I say increase and enlargement, we think church growth. Or or sometimes when God speaks to you individually, we sometimes make the mistake of interpreting what God is saying from our perspective rather than from God's perspective. I want to give honor or give... uh, yeah, I'll give honor to a, a gentleman called Francis Chan. I'm sure most of you know who he is, um, a, a preacher from uh, California. And I actually saw this, him use this illustration, and I thought it was incredibly powerful. Imagine this rope represented all of eternity. So this is limited, unfortunately, but imagine if that rope stretched out into all eternity, representing all of time, heaven. And this little bit in the end that I've duct taped represents the 70 or 80 or 90 years that have been allotted to us here on earth. This is what we are so familiar with, this little piece right here. It's the tangible. It's what we can see. It's what we can touch. It's what we can understand. It's the, it's the realm that we consider that belongs to us. And this, all of this stretching into eternity, we, 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 we deem it as God's realm. It's, it's the unknown. It's the uncertain. It's that which is accessed by faith. The challenge is, friends, when God speaks, God speaks from this perspective, but we interpret from this perspective. And can I say, even in our day and age, that is such an instant society, we don't even interpret it from this perspective. We interpret it from a millimeter of this perspective. One week or one month of of, of our lives, we try to interpret all that God is saying from the beginning of time. We need to learn how to view what God is saying into our lives with eternity in mind. And that requires us to become a people of faith, not a people who live by sight. Colossians chapter 3 says this, Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. What what, what Paul is essentially saying is, is in Jesus Christ, all of this comes together with this. And you and me are in Christ. We have the mind of Christ 
And so understanding God's word in the context of eternity is possible because we are followers of Jesus. I love Joshua chapter 6 just as an example of, of this. Joshua chapter 6. By the way, Peck, if you're wondering where the, the setup rope was, there, there it is over there. <laughs> I borrowed it for this morning. Joshua 6. Uh, God speaks to, to, you know, to Joshua. He says, it says this. Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because, the Israelites, because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. So just picture that. Jericho is is tightly shut up. Maybe there are circumstances in your life. Maybe there are situations in your life. Maybe this represents your finances or or your relationships or, or something of that prophetic future. It looks to the natural eye completely bound up and shut up. But God says to Joshua, see, not see with these eyes, but see with the heart of faith. See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands. You see, when we start to operate and to look with the eyes of faith and not with the natural eyes, we start to understand why God describes himself as the one who declares things that are not as though they were. This is a year, friends, where we see, I I, I trust for this, that this be the year that we see things that are not in the flesh or in the natural becoming something in the spiritual. This be the year that God declares his plan and purpose and we see the fruitfulness of it. So how do we partner? I just want to share a couple little things very quickly for us as a church. How do we partner? Hear this from a perspective of the church, but can I say hear this for your own lives too? Number one, it's time to raise our expectation. It's time to raise our expectation. Uh, I've been reading the book of Acts in my my devotions recently. And I love the story of of Acts chapter 1 into Acts chapter 2 where where God, where Jesus promises the disciples the, 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 the Holy Spirit, the gift that is to come. Jesus says to them, he says, wait in Jerusalem. For the, for the gift that my father is going to give, the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the response of the disciples, the partnership of the disciples, was to gather every single day in prayer. I can just imagine them saying, is this the day, perhaps? Is this the day that God is going to give us the gift of the Holy Spirit? And so they begin to pray, and nothing happens. But then the next day they get together and they say, is this perhaps the day that God is going to, make some, is, that God is going to fulfill the promise? And they begin to pray and wait on God. And then one day, the day of Pentecost, they gathered like every other day that they had, asking that same question, is this the day that God is going to do something? And Acts chapter 2 tells us that suddenly, that's how God answers prayer. When we least expect it, suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven. And filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled. All of them were filled. Not some, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Acts chapter 4 says something very similar. After they had prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all, all, filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Things happen 
when God's people come together with faith and expectation. And I want to encourage you, and I want to encourage myself, let this be the year that every time we gather, whether on a Sunday or on a Wednesday or at a connect group or with, with, at a coffee shop with a friend or in somebody's home, trust that God would do something in your midst. Come with the expectation to be used and to receive. This is the year to raise our expectation. Secondly, this is the year to take God at his word. Acts chapter two said all of them were filled. Acts chapter four says all of them were filled. Acts chapter four verse 32 goes on. All of them were of one heart and mind. Acts chapter five, crowds gathered and began to bring their sick and those tormented by evil spirits and all of them were healed. And I fear Maybe for myself only, but I think it's more than me. I fear that, that in our day and age, we've settled for all to mean some. We've allowed our experience to shape our view of God. And I want to say, friends, let's allow God's word to shape our expectation. Let's be a people that take God at his word. Thirdly, it's a time, it's a year for all the saints to do the work of the, of the ministry. I am called, along with a few others, to be an elder in this church. But that is not my identity or where I get my worth. My highest calling, your highest calling, is the fact that you and I are called to be sons or daughters of the Lord Most High. And therefore, a New Testament saint or a New Testament priest called to do the work of ministry, which is what? To advance the kingdom of God with signs and wonders following. That is our primary call above all else. Everything else falls underneath that. Even marriage... God has gifted me and blessed me, gifted me, I need it, I need her, with an incredible wife, an incredible wife. But I have to hold my hand like this with Debs because God might call her home one day before me. And if my complete worth and identity is wrapped up in her and my marriage, then I lose the very thing that God has called me to do above all else which is represent him here on earth in whatever situations and circumstances he entrusts to me. It's true of relationships. It's true of ministry. It's true of your job. It's true of your career or your identity. And it, it, it's, our identity needs to be in the fact that we are called as sons and daughters of the Lord Most High. I wrote this down. We are a community of Jesus followers, reflecting the goodness of our King as we advance His reign and rule within the sphere of influence in which we've been planted using the gifts and passions He's entrusted to us. We know that being planted where we are within a family or a group of friends or a neighborhood or a place of work or a school and the giftings that we carry is God's endorsement, His grace and supernatural enabling to be effective right there and now. We are perfectly positioned and equipped to continue the work of Jesus. I love the movie Amazing Grace. You guys are familiar with that movie, I trust. The, the story of William Wilberforce, who, uh, who uh, fought for the abolition of the slave trade in, um, in, in um, middle century England. And it's a, it's a beautiful, beautiful story that, that, that 
not only depicts the victory that Wilberforce was able to, to bring about, but the incredible relationship that he had with his close friend and pastor, John Newton, the man who wrote this, the, 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 the hymn, Amazing Grace. But what's so significant about that movie is that it wasn't the Christian church as an organization that stood in the, in, in the courts of parliament and argued for the abolition of, of slave trade. It was William Wilberforce, a Christ follower, but called to be a politician who fought for the abolition of the slave trade. But behind William Wilberforce was his pastor and friend and an entire church praying and encouraging and, and equipping him to be all that God had called him to be in the sphere of influence entrusted to him. And so I want to say, friends, in this room, there are artists and teachers and business people and single moms and, and lawyers and those who are called to go to school and, 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 and flight attendants and a myriad of other uh, uh, callings and professions and passions and giftings. And I want to say, this is the year for you to understand that God has perfectly positioned you where you are. And behind you is a church and a, and a, and a group of friends that is praying for you and encouraging you and exhorting you to be all that you can be in the sphere of influence God has entrusted to you. And in that way, we get to see the city impacted. In that way, we get to see every neighborhood and hopefully every nation touched with the love of Jesus. Lastly, I want to say, it's time to ensure that main things are main things. It's time to major on the majors. It's time to emphasize on that which Scripture emphasizes. It's time for us to fight for the simplicity that we see in Scripture. I love, again, the story of, of the early church in Acts chapter 2. The Spirit of God is poured out. The church is birthed. And then it says this in verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to pray. What if that was an exhaustive list of all the church did? If someone was writing a synopsis of the modern church, of all the things that we are devoted to, and I'm not, please, I don't, I'm not saying that there, there are passions we shouldn't be devoted to, but what would the list be for the modern day church? I suspect it would probably be 15 or 20 items. I love the simplicity of a focus on the word of God, prophetic, preaching, hearing God, a focus on community and fellowship and family. A focus on the power of the resurrection. The power of the cross. And a focus on prayer. If you carry on reading Acts chapter 2, verse 43 onwards, that simplicity seemed to work very powerfully for the church. Listen to this. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I love it. The simplicity of the local church, majoring on the majors, keeping our eyes fixed on, on important things.
as we trust for increase and impact and enlargement, as we trust for acceleration, I want to say one thing as I bring this into land. There is one thing that God was emphasizing last year that we must realize that we have never, we will never graduate from. The thing that the Bible says is the most important thing in the kingdom. And that is the greatest command. The call to love God and to love people. I wrote this down. Ministry and great things can only flow out of our desire for the loveliness of Jesus himself. Ministry and great things can only flow out of our desire for the loveliness of Jesus himself. And perhaps for me, what, what was, for me personally, the, the, one of the, the most profound revelations that I received last year was, was Hugh's sermon, the very last Sunday of, of 2015, where he spoke about uh, a Peter being wonderfully restored by Jesus. And, and the story is told in John chapter 21, where Peter was on the boat and he sees Jesus walking on the shore. And Jesus has, has allowed the disciples to, to catch a miraculous catch of fish. The, the supernatural has just taken place in their very midst. But Peter sees Jesus on the shore. And he jumps out of the boat. And he begins to swim and then, and then run to his Savior. Ministry and great things can only happen or can only flow out of our desire for the loveliness of Jesus himself. And when, and, and when Jesus restored Peter, what did he restore Peter to? He restored him back to first things. He said to Peter, Peter, do you love me? First things, Peter, do you love me? Yes, I do, my Lord. What did he say? Love my people. Love my sheep. Love my lambs. Do you see that? Peter, do you love me? Love, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Peter, do you love me? Yes, I do, Lord. Well, then show that by, by, by loving my people. Love your neighbor as yourself. When we cap, and can I just, maybe, I'll preface it by saying this, what I'm gonna say. This is said by an introvert. Those of you who know me know that I'm a fierce introvert. When we cap our capacity for people, we cap our capacity for God. When we, cap our, when, we, when we put a limit on our ability to love people, I sincerely believe we put a limit on God being able to work powerfully in our lives. This is a year for us to trust that God would work deeply and powerfully in our lives. I feel like I want to share, as I, as I bring this into land, just one prophetic sense that, I, that, that I'm having. And I haven't necessarily pre- prepared this, so forgive me if it's a little little jumbled, but I, I was reading in Luke chapter 7 this week. Luke chapter 7 is the story that is told of the, of the sinful woman, probably a prostitute, who anoints Jesus' feet. And she does this in the house of a Pharisee. And as she's beginning to show this incredible love and affection and, and worship to Jesus, the Pharisee begins to take offense in his heart. And the, all that the Pharisee can see is this woman's sinfulness. And he says to himself, you know, if Jesus knew exactly who this woman was, he wouldn't allow this to happen. But Jesus turns to that Pharisee and he says these words. Do you see the woman? Not do you see her sin. Not do you see her brokenness. Not do you see her shame. But Jesus says, 
do you see this woman? He says this, he see, Jesus says something very similar in the, in the account that is given when, 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 when Jesus calls Matthew the tax collector. The book of uh, Matthew, the book of Mark, and the book of Luke all tell a very different account of that same moment when Jesus calls Matthew the tax collector. In the book of Luke, Luke chapter 5, Jesus, uh, uh, Luke describes it as Jesus, and, and, and Luke describes Matthew by his status, by his job, by his function. He refers to him as a tax collector. Mark, on the other hand, describes Matthew as the son of Alphaeus, his pedigree or his status. But when Matthew himself describes the story in Matthew 9, he just says, Jesus saw a man. Did you see this woman? Did you see this man? Friends, I feel like the, 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 the prophetic sense that I have is when we go out from this place into the city streets, when we go back to our places of work this week, we are going to see countless people in front of us. But I want to say, friends, when you look at them, when I look at them, do we see their sinfulness? Do we see the color of their skin? Do we see their pedigree? Do we see their job status? Do we see their education? Or do we see them as a woman and as a man? Lambs and sheep of God who are desperately in need of a savior. And I feel like over some of you, I feel like God would say that he doesn't see your sinfulness and he doesn't see your mistakes and he doesn't see your successes and he doesn't see your pedigree and he doesn't see your status and he doesn't see your education or how much money that you have in the bank, but he sees his son and he sees his daughter. This is a year of God calling us back to himself in close intimacy. Great things for God will never be able to be achieved unless we desire the loveliness of Jesus himself above all else. And unless we learn by God's grace to love those who are directly in front of us. Not looking over their shoulder to someone down the road that maybe we can love. The people directly in front of us. And so, Father, we just come before you and ask, Lord, ask in Jesus' name for you to, 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 to just draw us close to yourself, Lord. We long above all else, Lord, as much as we trust for, for salvations and signs and wonders and, and, and the miraculous and, and all that you have promised in your word. And, Lord, we trust for those things. But Lord, we want to start from this place of saying, Jesus, we want you. Would you draw us closely to yourself? Let this be a year of, of incredible intimacy. Let this be a year of knowing and experiencing your, your deep intimacy. Let this be a year, Lord God, of, 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 of hearing your voice all the time. Let this be a year, Lord God, of, of, of knowing your anointing and empowering. Let this be a year, Lord God, of of, of long walks on the beach with you, of, of creating works of art as an act of worship before you, of closing business deals and giving praise to you, of, of preparing sermons, not out of obligation or pressure, but out of a desire to bring honor to you, of sharing the gospel 
not because it's a program, but because we can't help but tell people about you. Oh, Jesus, would you, would you just be so real to us this year? Would you just be so close to us this year? Lord, we, we thank you that, that, that overhead, ab- above us, Lord, we, we, we believe that conditions are favorable for breakthrough. We believe that conditions are, are, are favorable for you to do mighty and powerful things through us. But Lord, let us never desire greatness above the, our desire for you. Let us never desire influence above our desire for you. Come, Holy Spirit. Let this be a year of taking you at your word, of our faith and expectation rising. As we, as we believe that what you said in your word will come to pass. Come, Lord Jesus. Can I ask you just in the, for 30 seconds, just as we sit quietly before the Lord, just, I, I don't even know other than to say, just, 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 just to draw, draw on God, draw close to Him. Open your hearts. Surrender. Don't bring your pedigree. Don't bring your passions. Just bring yourself before the Lord. Just you and him. Stay in that place of receiving from the Lord. I'm just going to ask one or two of you to stand. And not to, I'm not going to prophesy of you, but I feel like God wants to just touch your hands. Brittany Williams, would you mind just standing? And if you feel comfortable, just opening up your hands and just receiving. Ron, if you can do the same. Uh, Matt and Sheetzel, if you guys can do the same. Just stand and receive. Just have your hands open. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Jen Park, if you wouldn't mind doing the same. Just standing and have, just have your hands open. I just feel like the Lord wants to anoint your hands. Uh, I, I know the, dif- the different calling and giftedness and passions that you guys have for business and for, for art and for uh, um, uh, healthcare and, and the medical. But I just I feel like God wants to just use those hands uh, to, for, to advance his kingdom powerfully and mightily. So Lord, we just pray, Lord, right now in Jesus' name, just a blessing and, and, and just a release of your, of your power, Lord, a release of your anointing upon, upon the, the, these hands, Lord God, that these hands, whatever they are called to do, Lord God, would, be, would just be uh, used, Lord God, powerfully to advance your kingdom, Lord God, to reflect the goodness and grace and mercy and love of Jesus. And Lord God, whatever they are able to do in their own strength, I pray for a multiplication. I pray for a, a, a radical increase, a radical and supernatural increase, Lord God, that where they were able to do X in the natural, I pray in Jesus' name, they will be able to do exponentially more and give glory to you. Not, 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 not busier, not, not, not more frantic, but Lord, just operating powerfully under the anointing of God. And I just pray a release over that in Jesus' name. Come Holy Spirit, we just pray a release of that in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Just favor, favor on their friendships, favor on their place of work. 
Lord God. I just pray favor on their place of work. Almost for all of you, I just sense an acceleration, an acceleration in, 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 in the things of God, but also in the, in, in the natural, an acceleration in, in favor at work. Lord, we just, we just pray that over them in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Thanks, guys. You can sit down. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Just stay in this place of prayer. Just if anyone is here today who's never received Jesus into their hearts as Lord and Savior, you, you, you might be, have been to this church a couple times, or maybe this is your first time here. I want to say, friends, this is the, 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 the place where we find, the way we find fullness and wholeness is not in the pursuit of things or the pursuit of religion, but it's in relationship with Jesus. And, and I just want to say it would be my privilege right now just to lead you in a prayer where you are seated. If you want to say, Steve, I want to receive Jesus into my heart this morning. I, I want to know that peace. I want to know that joy. I want to know what it means to be a child of God. If, if that's you, if you want me to pray for you right where you are seated, would you mind just quickly lifting up your hands and looking at me? I would be privileged just to lead you in a prayer right now. Anyone who would like to receive Jesus saying, yes, Steve, I want to receive Jesus this morning. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for sending Jesus, for the victory that is found in the cross, for the closeness that we have with you because of what you've done for us, Jesus. We ask and pray, Father, for your favor to be upon us as we trust for more this year, as we trust for increase and enlargement and advancement and acceleration. But Lord, most of all, we want to continue to trust that we would give you all the glory and the honor. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.